In this podcast, we talk with Dr. Lindsay Bondurant, Director of the Pennsylvania Ear Institute and Associate Professor for Salus University's Osborne College of Audiology, and with Bob Seriani, Chair, Program Director, and Associate Professor for the Speech-Language Pathology Program. They talk to us about audiology and speech-language pathology professions, how to know which one to choose, and how they work together in the healthcare field. Can you please introduce yourself? All right. I am Lindsay Bondurant. I am the director of the Pennsylvania Ear Institute at Salis University. And I'm Bob Siriani. I'm the chair and program director in the Department of Speech-Language Pathology in the College of Health Sciences, Education, and Rehabilitation at Salis University. Can you each describe what your profession does? So can you first describe what an audiologist does? Absolutely. Uh, An audiologist is a specialist in hearing and balance. So we specialize in pretty much everything related to the auditory system um, for all ages. So I work with um, children and adults who have hearing loss, who fit hearing aids. Um, We work with cochlear implants uh, for people who are deaf. We do balance evaluations, balance rehabilitation, Anything related to the ears, that's what an audiologist is doing. And then Bob, can you please describe what a speech-language pathologist does? Sure. The speech-language pathologists assess, diagnose, treat, and counsel a variety of communication and swallowing disorders. Much like audiology, we work across the lifespan from the very young to the very old, concentrating on things like speech, language, voice, fluency, and swallowing impairments. What are the differences and similarities of audiologists and SLPs when it comes to their education? I think the similarities in terms of education um, primarily is that both fields require a graduate degree in order to become licensed and to practice as an audiologist or a speech language pathologist. Um, Many of us have similar undergraduate backgrounds uh, in both speech and audiology or communication science and disorders, although people do come into the field from other backgrounds. But I think many audiologists and SLPs have very similar undergraduate backgrounds. Um, One of the big differences in terms of the graduate education is that Uh, Currently, audiology requires a doctoral level entry, so audiologists have a clinical doctorate. Um, Speech language pathologists uh, undergo a master's degree and further training that I'm sure Bob can describe in greater detail. Yeah, I think um, uh, although speech language pathology has a postgraduate doctoral um, option in order to practice, speech pathologists are required to obtain a master's degree in the United States. Um, I, I think one of the similarities that overlaps both professions is the high degree of clinical education our students are exposed to as part of their uh, graduate and professional training in, um, in, in, in a sense, infusing what we teach them in the classroom right into their fieldwork opportunities. And um, I think both of us follow a similar track that we first expose our students in an internship or an on-campus experience before we move them into the community during their externship experiences. 
speech pathologists still complete a clinical fellowship, which is basically nine months to a year of mentorship post-graduation where they're in practice, but they're practicing in conjunction with another speech pathologist who has achieved their certificate of clinical competence, which allows them a transition between their um, their graduate education and um, full practitioner in the field, where I believe audiology infuses that into their doctoral level training, where they're completing that as part of their fourth year uh, rotations. Yep, exactly. So I think uh, there's a there's a similarity, although on paper that's a, a difference between the educational path. Um, it's still quite similar in the sense that for an audiology student, that's occurring prior to graduation, but it is nine to twelve months of full time clinical work under the supervision of a licensed audiologist, and that has to be completed before somebody can get licensed as an audiologist. Just like for a speech language pathologist that clinical fellowship year has to be completed before they can get licensed as a uh, speech language pathologist. Uh, so I think it's it's a really nice way that people who are seeking our services know that our anybody who is licensed to practice in either one of these fields has had, as Bob said, extensive training in both the classroom and the clinical setting um, and has worked for at least a year under the supervision of somebody who is already licensed and credentialed in that field. How would you help an undergrad student who might be a communication sciences and disorder major um, that is deciding whether to pursue AUD versus SLP? So I would say that the um, our undergraduate CSD majors, as well as those um, as Lindsay said, as well as those that are in other majors who might be interested in um, either one of our career paths, really should do a lot of fact-finding as part of their undergraduate programs. Um, we both have prerequisite courses that are required to get into our respected, um, respective programs. However, there's they're like cursory, they're, they're the minimal requirements. So um, doing things like picking up um, an, a minor in um, American Sign Language or gerontology or early, early education might be ways for them to explore different aspects of the field of communication sciences and disorders and then help them sort of divide out what what area is of most interest to them. Um, I, I think the other way is to do observations. Now they can either be simulated observations where you're watching videos of care of individuals that have speech and language deficits or hearing impairments. And, and what are you drawn to? What are you interested in? Um, I don't I find that students usually have a, a personal story when we meet them that say they had a relative that had a stroke and was under the care of a speech pathologist and that really interested them. Or they had a friend in the neighborhood that wore hearing aids and they were always so intrigued by, um, uh, you know, how well the technology worked or didn't work and how could they, they um, access communication. So I, I think self-exploration is really important because when once you get into graduate school, we want you to know this is the career path that we're in. 
Um, but back when I was trained, like there were speech pathologists who were audiologists and audiologists that were speech pathologists because they had similar um, training paths and similar credentialing as the the fields became better defined as care expanded it became more and more difficult to sort of be able to manage both types of um of of licensure requirements and educational requirements so that happens less and less and less and quite frankly it's there's so much in the individual scopes of practice i don't know how you manage both scopes of practice efficiently so um you know, my story was like many others, I had family experiences with speech pathologists. I was a talker and became really interested in sort of the study of communication. And I took audiology classes as well as speech pathology classes. And through time and observations, it was the SLP program that really spoke to me and haven't looked back. And I'm, I'm sure Lindsay has a, a similar story. I think um, nicely I will just kind of tell my path and then uh, move on into some of the conversations that I've had with students who are trying to make this decision because I have gone through the process of making the decision about which path I wanted to pursue. But like many audiologists, I started out as an undergraduate communication sciences and disorders major planning to go into speech language pathology um, because I think a lot of people have had exposure to speech language pathologists and, and, and the field, and they're a little more familiar with it. Um, and as I went through my undergraduate program, I, I started to connect a little bit more with the audiology side of thing. I had never even heard of audiology um, until I took my first audiology class as an undergrad. Um, and my very first audiology class, I thought, I do not like this. This is not what I want to do. I don't know why anybody would do this. But then the next one, I was like, this is actually really more interesting than I thought, because a lot of audiology is, is very sort of, it appeals to people who like to solve puzzles. And so, you know, you, you grab this piece of information and, and you slot it into the, the picture and you get this piece of information, you slot it into the picture and you start to, to build out that puzzle and understand a little better what direction things are going and, and what pieces make the most sense as you're proceeding. And so that was kind of my first literally called introduction to audiology class. And then my, my next class in sequence was oral rehabilitation where you really learn about the human side of audiology, which is connecting with patients and helping them um, hear better to connect with other people and, and you know, really be able to navigate their lives in a way that is, is very meaningful. And to me, I just, it really spoke to me that it, it I really felt like the, the intellectual puzzle solver part of the way my mind works with the you know, sort of people person, warm and fuzzy. I, I love to, to see people um, really improving their quality of life for, for whatever reason, audiology just connected those pieces a little bit um, more fully for me. And so I decided to go that, that direction. And um, as much as I've, I really enjoy working with my speech language pathology colleagues, I have never thought once that that was the direction I should have gone. I, I have always felt like audiology was, was the right fit for me and I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, so, you know, I spent many years working in undergraduate CSD 
uh, communication sciences and disorders programs. And so I've talked to many students kind of who are at that juncture of, you know, I think I really like audiology, but it's not something I ever considered. How do I know if I should make this leap? Because it is a big decision to make. And a lot of students are making that, having that thought process in their senior year of college, which is a scary time to change career paths. Um, and so, you know, I completely agree with Bob that doing observations and talking to other professionals and, and even, you know, watching videos of, you know, kind of day in the life of an audiologist and speech language pathologist and imagining whether those are activities that you can see yourself doing on a day-to-day basis and being happy with it, um, that that's really helpful. And then for me as, as somebody who chose audiology, I just, when I thought about whether or not I was well-suited to do the work that uh, a speech pathologist did, I just didn't feel like that was the right fit for me. Um, speech pathologists, and, and certainly Bob can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I think oftentimes speech pathologists are working with their clients um, very often over a shorter amount of time. Uh, so they, they really get to know their clients very well. And then, you know, in many situations, they kind of get them to a point that they are, you know, can do those things independently and they're sort of discharged from therapy. In audiology, hearing loss doesn't go away. We provide management, we provide intervention, uh, we help people communicate that way, but they will need an audiologist services usually for the rest of their lives. And so we don't see our patients as often uh, as a speech pathologist says, but we see them for a much longer period of time. And that, that was something that really appealed to me is like, I can watch my patients grow and change and I get to know their families for years and years and years. And that was something that really, um, that I thought would appeal to me and has been a joy in my career to see my patients grow from babies to teenagers and see families, you know, grow and change and, and kind of go on that journey with them. How do audiologists and speech language pathologists work together in the healthcare field? It's very interesting because as Bob alluded to that the scope of practice for an audiologist and SLP, where there used to be more overlap as the fields were, were sort of not quite as well defined, now there is not very much overlap in what we do. And so I feel like we have really, each field has grown and become better defined to work harmoniously with each other. And, and there's in a very complementary way, but we're not necessarily working at the same time on the same patient. Um, although that said, if you know I have a patient who has hearing loss, it's not uncommon for there to be a speech um, or language issue that is you know related to their hearing loss. And so I absolutely need to have a working knowledge of, of what a speech language pathologist does so that I know when it's appropriate to refer my patient over. Um, to a speech language pathologist. Um, so there is a lot of kind of provision of information back and forth. Um, and I tend to, I would say, other than a, a primary care doctor who I'm sharing you know, information with about patient, their patients that they refer to me, probably a speech language pathologist is the professional that I have the most contact with about my patients um, because we're both thinking about communication. 
So even though we're not working on the same patient at the same time, I might see somebody and I'm sending my information right over to the SLP so that everybody who is working to help this patient communicate better has the same information and is, is working in a way that can kind of move the patient forward. Um, so we're, we're often not in the exact same office, but we are sharing information all the time because our main thing is communication um, and language development and, and being able to connect with each other. And I think that's something that's important to both professions. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, as, as Lindsay was talking, I was thinking about all the different um, opportunities we have um, as professionals to interface across the lifespan. Again, we both work with the very young to very old. And because I've always worked with really good audiologists, I know that language and speech development really hinges on the, the, the child uh, our youngest members of our community to develop the speech and language skills of their um, of their culture of their their neighborhood and without being able to hear those exchanges we need them to make sh you know they need to know this information it just won't naturally happen and then sort of moving up the lifespan um, we work with audiologists and speech pathologists together in school because again we want our students to be able to access the information that's being taught to them so educational slps and audiologists collaborate a lot to make sure what goes on in the classroom registers with the the students that have speech language and hearing impairment and then again moving on to our um, adult and older adult populations um, we know that if you you you're going to appear confused if you can't hear the information um, or if you're having difficulty communicating people are going to think you don't hear them so being able to function as an independent adult throughout your adulthood and not institutionalized or not marginalized um, is really important that they have the communication skills, which is a combination of talking and hearing. And um, I always joke with my patients um, when I hear that, uh, you know, it's usually a wife saying that the husband doesn't hear me. And I said, well, there's a difference between hearing and listening. And typically, the husband hears everything that the wife's saying. It's He's choosing not to listen to what's being said to him. So uh, I, and I always say that as a joke to really differentiate between the mechanics of getting the information in and being able to process and do something with that. And so much of our society from a your work environment to your family environment into older adulthood is your ability to to take that information and process it and do something with it and without the combination of speaking and talking and listening on top of it is um, can be really detrimental to to somebody's independence so that that sort of lifespan approach for better or for worse, really ties our two professions together. And um, I, I agree with Lindsay that, that I find myself always reaching out to my audiology colleagues and saying like, can you help me out here? Because I can't, I can't put my finger on what's 
the root cause of some of these issues. And if I can rule in or rule out that it's that it's hearing will help me continue down my path for communication success for our patients. So it's it's definitely a partnership. Um, and I feel like that's something that we do really well here at Salus is exposing our students to that partnership and making sure that they understand that um, separate professions, but really ones that work closely together um, in in the in real world environments. Is there anything else you want to add about your programs or, and how they prepare students to kind of be in those situations you all just talked about? Um, I think I'll just echo really the interprofessional nature of what speech pathologists do in, um, in the healthcare and education environments and being able to expose students here at Salus to classroom experiences, to clinical experiences, which really build their teamwork skills or communication skills, uh, allows us as faculty to really give our students the opportunity to be successful, competent clinicians in the field of their choice. Yeah, I think uh, that's something unique, especially from an audiology perspective, unique about Salus is that um, here, the audiology and the speech pathology programs are completely separate programs. That is not the case in most universities that have an audiology program. They're, they're usually in the same department. Um, I think it actually works really well from an interprofessional standpoint because neither one of us is ever forced to work with the other. When we're working together, it's because we see the value um, and we see the need and, and how it's going to benefit our patients. So we, we seek each other out, as Bob mentioned, and, you know, and so I'm frequently reaching out to my colleagues about um, concerns about patients' communication and language skills, um, but it's not because I feel like I have to because we report to the same person. It's because I think that they have um, really important information um, that will help our patients um, and our students. So I think Salus is really unique that way, um, and there is that emphasis on interprofessional education and interprofessional practice um, that we're very thoughtful about. It isn't something that we just stumble over and it happens to be there. We, we seek out those ways. Um, so I, I think that really helps our, our graduates of both programs because they go out and they're going to have to know how to navigate those conversations when it's not just right under their nose in the department because we're all, you know, you know, reporting to the same people. Um, we teach them how to do that and how to value what both of the professions bring to the table. To learn more about the audiology and speech language pathology programs at Salus, you can visit salus.edu slash academics.